0: Hello to football supporters around the world, and especially here in Thailand. Welcome to the Portcast Podcast, with news, views,
1: and profiles of the supporters of Thai Port FC,
0: or as they say in Thai, Tarua FC. And now, here's your host, arguably the most knowledgeable Port. FC supporter, this side of Janet the Hut, ladies and gentlemen, Tom word! Welcome to our first ever remotely recorded podcast where we're actually talking to someone thousands of miles away because we're bored stiff. So (laughs) my first ever remote guest today is James. Hi, James.
1: Hey, how are
0: you? Good, mate. A little bit bored, obviously. So, yeah, isolation's a bit bit crazy. Well, we have microphones and podcasts and, uh, and these kind of things to keep us occupied. Exactly. You're a massive Port fan, but more kind of unique to our normal listeners. You're also very knowledgeable about Southeast Asian football in general. So how, how did you come to get involved in Southeast Asian football?
1: Well, it was about 2010, and I was I was playing at the time, and I had an opportunity to go to Singapore to um. It was it was initially an extended trial, but um. Things things weren't as clear as what what was said before I arrived there. So um. I got there, trained with them for a while. Things were going really well, and then um, everything fell apart. So uh, I had an opportunity to go to another club, but by then I decided to go back to Australia.
0: And that second club was also in, in Singapore?
1: Yeah, second. so they, they actually called me when I was in the departures
0: lounge at the airport <laughs> saying, can you come here? And by then I checked my bags in and I was kind of over it at the time, so I went home. And then your first... Impression of Southeast Asian football obviously wasn't a great one. What what did you think during your time on trial?
1: In in terms of the players, I thought the players were very very good. Um, Technically, they were they were sharp. They could do things that a lot of the players that I was playing with back in Australia couldn't do. But at the same time, I was stronger than them. I knew my limitations, but I knew. How to play the game mentally, so that was where
0: I was stronger than them, and I was able to bully people. Was that around the time where where Singapore actually had quite a strong national team? Because because there was a while when Thailand and Singapore were really kind of competitive as the top two Southeast Asian teams. Mate, the, the the year before I went
2: to, to Singapore, third sack was playing there. Yeah, you had San Rwad playing
1: there. Sudi, you had guys that ended up going to Chonburi and Pattaya and police, um, Bangkok glass. So so the standard of the foreigners in Singapore at the time actually was really good. There was about a dozen
0: of them that either played T1 or T2. Well, I remember there was, there was a fierce rivalry at the time between Thailand and uh, Singapore, which culminated in some kind of walk-off situation. Like, I know this has happened like a thousand times in different southeast asian games but basically I, I really can't remember the circumstances but one team walked off the pitch and the crowd were going absolutely mental and they ended up having to replay the game or something
1: oh really it's it's not like thai, a thai team to, to walk off the pitch
0: is it <laughs> i'm not sure if it was thailand or singapore <laughs> who did it it was probably thailand but <laughs> but yeah. there was they were I've never, really i've never seen a singapore team walk off but yeah but it's it's possible i guess there was a very fierce rivalry at the time. Anyway, the fans really, really hated each other at the time. <laughs> so, uh, been on some of those Asian
1: Asian groups. I
2: can I can see my level of rivalry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, beside after your first experience in in Singapore, where else have you played or, or watched football across uh, Southeast Asia?
1: So before I went to Singapore, when, just after I finished high school, I went overseas to um, to Europe. I trained with um, Bolton Wanderers in Cardiff City. Okay. And then I had an opportunity to go to, to Warsaw, but couldn't do it. Um, realistically, none of them were, were feasible. I didn't have a European passport, so getting a work permit would have been very, very difficult. But it wasn't really something that I thought of before I went after Singapore, I had opportunities to go to India and
0: Iran, but I chose not to take them up okay and Southeast Asia, any other places that you that you played at all?
1: oh I had opportunity to come to Thailand um,
0: but then the red shirts stuff started, and the guy that was organizing it all for me said, "Don't travel to Thailand, so I didn't okay. And uh, what was it that, that brought you to Thailand?
1: Um, it was my 25th birthday. Um, I, I did my AFCC licence with a guy that actually played in Thailand. And he, he just kept going on to me, mate, you got to go to Thailand. We'll go to some games. We'll have a good time for your birthday. And so I just came to Thailand for 10 days. And after that, I was kind of hooked. And it just became my, my holiday destination.
0: Did you know the standard to be the highest in, in the region?
1: No. So so I, I, I didn't really know too much about Thai football at the time. But I, I think I was in Thailand for about 10 days on that first trip, and I went to three or four games. And then from there, it was kind of like, oh, my God. Like I, it, it put all other football that I was watching at the time To the back burner, and it was just like I've got to
0: find a way to watch this every week. That's interesting. So, so it was a big step up. Was that more the local players or more the the foreign players?
1: The foreign players, really. Like, um, at at the time, like, I, I don't like to really watch European football. I find it very boring because the same teams usually win every week. Um, it's just not enjoyable for me to watch. When I was watching Thai Thai League games and, and other other leagues in the region, it was just you knew we were going to win, you knew Mung Tong were going to win, but the rest of them it was kind of a free for all. You didn't know what was going to happen, and and, and like I, I wasn't getting to watch players like like Mario was at Bangkok United by then, and like he he
0: was head and shoulders at that time better than every player in Thailand. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, interesting opinion at Bangkok United really I mean when he was at Mwongtong he was awesome but I think a little bit of that had faded I, 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 didn't get
1: to, I didn't get to see him at Mwongtong I've only seen him at Mwongtong on, on YouTube but uh, like some of the
0: I went to a game and he they they scored four goals and I think he got two goals and two assists mm. and
1: he he, he, he he was just pulling the strings and it just looked so easy for him and then I was looking at I was watching a game back in Australia, and I was thinking, half these foreigners, they've got these huge CVs where they've played in Europe for big teams, and
0: they're not even close to some of the guys in Thailand. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, someone like Mario, his talent is unbelievable. It's just whether or not players like his that want to, want to make it at a, at a club in Europe, as opposed to being a, being a star over here.
1: Well, it's a lot easier
0: lifestyle, isn't it, in yeah. Thailand, compared to,
1: to, to, I know I'd rather be playing for a top team every week in a very nice place to live, rather than being in Ukraine battling relegation every week, <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it doesn't even come close.
0: <laughs> and uh, how do you compare the standard in Southeast Asia co- compared to Australia, where you were from? In in some areas, it's probably
1: better in Southeast Asia, but Australia, in terms of infrastructure for the clubs, it's probably probably better in that regards. Mm-hmm. But there's obviously exceptions to that. So you've got Johor in Malaysia, you've got Buriram, like their, their infrastructure at Buriram's pretty damn good, if, you, if you're honest. And even even Bangkok United. They're doing good things there. So, for, for me, if, if you said tomorrow, all right, Johor, all right, Guriram, all right, Bangkok United, you're in the A-League tomorrow. I'd be pretty confident that they could, they could compete in the leagues with their current players. And they'd probably surprise a lot of people about the standard
2: in Thailand, too.
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. That, that's a bit of a, a twist on, on a question I've asked many times before in these podcasts. Normally I ask people to compare these, let's say the best team in Thailand to the, uh, to the English football pyramid and try, and try and put them in the league where they belong in England. But comparing them to Australia is interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, I've only watched a Thai team play an Australian team once in, in the flesh. And it was Wong Tong who thrashed Brisbane Roar three nil a few years ago. Yeah, but then again, that was a that was a youth, pretty much a youth team that Brisbane Roar sent out to uh, to get annihilated. <laughs> well,
1: well, Brisbane sent a team over to to Buriram to play then in a qualifier a few years before that, and Buriram beat them, and that and Brisbane took their full full strength team. And, like, Buriram at the time, they had Chapui when he was good. <laughs> um, they, they had Ozma, who was... He'd
2: been the top echelon of players to... Foreign players to ever play in the Thai League. Yeah.
1: Um, that Buriram side was pretty damn good. It's... Getting back to the A-League, um, the top six qualify for a final series. So you can... You can finish sixth and still win the league in Australia. I know so that, that's, that's mad. why a lot of those. So that's why those clubs could realistically challenge for silverware because you can finish mid-table and still win the win the final series.
0: So there are only ten teams in the league. Is that right? Ten, 10 I think. At the moment, it's ten or
1: eleven. Uh, I struggle to watch Australian football, to be honest. Um, <laughs> They, they are expanding the league, but with the way things are at the moment, there's also clubs here that are in a lot of danger.
0: Mm, yeah. Do they play each other three or four times a season? Um, it, it's mixed and matched. So I think
1: some teams they play twice and some teams they play three times and then it's the final series.
0: Oh, sounds like a bit of a mess to me, to be honest. <laughs> it,
1: it, it is. It, it really is. Like for, for me, because the way it's done here, so at the end of the regular season, there's a there's a trophy they call it the, the Premier's Plate or so, something like that, where you finish first, so you get a trophy. Uh-huh. But then you play the final, you play the final series, and the team that finished sixth can win it, and that trophy is placed above the team. Have actually won the regular season.
0: Yeah, I can't can't get on board with that. It's like got to be the that, league that, has to come makes, first for me. It, exactly, it, it
1: makes no sense. So what they're saying is, for twenty six or twenty seven games or whatever you've played, you've been better than everyone
2: else. But because you didn't win uh, like a knockout competition,
0: you're not the best team in Australia. That just doesn't make sense. No. So uh, how many teams from Thailand do you reckon would be able to kind of compete with the teams in the A-League? Uh, Port could. So if we take um, it from the top, we, 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 we've, we've got Port, we Bui be, Ram Bangkok United would compete. Their, their Thai players are pretty, pretty good. It'd be about their foreign
1: recruitment. Yeah. In the Champions League, Chiang Rai really didn't do too badly against... Melbourne Victory but and that being said Melbourne Victory is in a bit of a slump this season but if, if they got their, their foreign players too they, they could probably compete
0: yeah I think the way they play if, 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 they would adapt quite if well still had, if Burry Ran had Diogo still they would be a top three team in Australia
1: <laughs> yeah I can like believe that. it like that's 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 the difference. Like him in the A League would just be bolkers.
0: <laughs> he would get the shit kicked out of him.
1: <laughs> I don't think any Australian defenders would be able to get close enough to him.
0: <laughs> he'd throw himself at them <laughs> the way he plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the thing
1: that would really kill him is his antics. Yeah. In terms of in terms of ability, he'd probably be again one
0: of the best players in the league well you, you know about Diogo's kind of pedigree before he came to to Southeast Asia
1: I only know that he was at Olympiacos but apart from that I, I know
0: well apparently apparently before he moved to Olympiacos so when he was in Brazil he was being looked at by Arsene Wenger apparently at the time and and Liverpool as well and I I saw, uh, like an old article, which was kind of a compilation of the, the top 50 young talents in the world or something. And Diogo was on there in the middle of the list, you know? So, so he was oh, considered well. and he played, I think he played for the Brazil youth national teams as well. So he yeah, was, he was considered
2: guarantee a good
0: player though. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Of course. Um, but he was considered a, a big up-and-coming star, and I think it was only an injury that that prevented him getting a move to a club, the caliber of of Arsenal or Liverpool, and ending up at Olympiakos instead. Well well, you can see it like he was his goal rate in, in Thailand was ridiculous.: Yeah, I mean, he could basically score a goal again if he wanted to. <laughs> And if he wasn't scoring, he was assisting. Exactly, like, that, yeah. that was the difference between him and a lot of the
1: the other strikers in the league. Where, like, take Vanilla for instance, Vanilla's a fantastic goal scorer, but when it comes to actually helping his teammates score, probably
0: not the best option. Yep, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's the, he's the best all round player, without a doubt. Well, yeah, he, he was definitely, and
1: like even even Jaja. He, he was he was pretty damn good but when he went to mung Tong the the wheels fell off but at Buriram, he was unplayable
0: too yeah his record at wong wasn't that bad but I mean he was he scored the most ever goals in a Thai league season didn't he the, the season before at Buriram. Boor, at didn't dragon score the most goals
1: dragon got 38
0: were they tied I or think Jaja
1: got 38. I think I think Jaja got like thirty five, okay. which is still <laughs> ridiculous. They're they're both I'm number one sure,
0: and mate. number two on the list for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. But then you also had Diogo not far behind in that Golden Boot race as well. So imagine if a few more goals had gone to Jaja instead of Diogo, then you've got probably
0: forty goals for him. <laughs> like, yeah, just just crazy yeah so uh going back to your your countrymen uh australia I remember a game in the world cup qualifiers. This will have been for the twenty eighteen world cup. Thailand drew two at Rajamanga with uh Milay yerdanak scoring two for you guys to uh escape an ill gotten draw an ill deserved draw did you uh, did you watch that one? <laughs> I did, but I was
1: at a bar in Pattaya on 2nd Road. <laughs> so I, I was watching the game and I was messaging all my friends back in Australia going, oh dear, Australia is in trouble here. We are not as good as a lot of the people in Australia think we are. Mm. So I, I, I got a lot of hate from, from the people that I know because I was actually going for Thailand. Because to, to me, the, the Australian national team needs a bit of a kick up the arse. Um, we're a bit too complacent. We think, oh, we're bigger, we're stronger, we're going to dominate teams in the region. And that's just not the case anymore. You know, the other, the other countries in Asia, they might not be as
0: big, they might not be as strong. But technically, they are superior. And the funny thing was, was about that game was this was around the time when uh, Siroc uh, nicknamed Pipo, when Pipo was just like bursting onto the scene as a national team player. I think it was around the same time that he he scored two goals in the the C Games final against Indonesia as well. So he was like the star player at the time. And he absolutely tore the Australian defence to shreds. (laughs) And it was hilarious because he was the only Thai player in the team who has that physical presence, who can actually um, match most of the Aussies for, for strength and, and stuff like that. And yeah, he he absolutely tore into them, combined with the complete polar opposite of him, Chanatip, who was just dancing around, running through people's legs and <laughs> twisting and turning all over the place. Yeah. It, it was a brilliant combination, great game to watch.
1: Yeah, well, I, th- I think that might have been a wake-up call at the same time where maybe the, the national team was a bit complacent going, oh, we're, we're going to come here, we're going to stuff them. And then obviously things didn't go to plan and that might have been a wake-up call where they went, hang on, maybe maybe we're not as good as we think we are.
0: Yeah. And uh, what ultimately turned out to be, not the difference because it was a draw, but but what stopped Thailand from winning that game was just the kind of brutal... Premier League professionalism of, of Jedernak, who for one of the goals, I think he scored a header, just like overpowered his marker scored a header, and then for the second one, he just did the fucking filthiest dive you've ever seen he's the, he's the biggest guy in the box, he's the biggest guy in the box, and he pretends to have been dragged down by someone about half his size and uh, gets a penalty for nothing bastard well <laughs> We see
1: that happen most most weeks in in, in T one, don't we? Where we
0: see yeah. boys fall over and, and get penalties. So, yeah, but it's just in yeah. when you've got only the the Thai players playing because most of these really smart, filthy players are foreigners. We're talking about Tunyas We're talking about Victor. You know, so so the Thai players generally don't engage in this kind of. Uh, let's no, say the, skirting the, the rules the foreign, players, the, the foreign players are definitely more versed in the dark arts
1: than, than the Thai players but mm-hmm. give it time and I think you'll start to see <laughs> that, that kind of change a bit
0: yeah well I hope so because Thailand it really is holding them back it's other things as well like when they're playing against foreign teams and they kick the ball out every time someone goes down and the other team won't yes. return that courtesy to them. So, so they've got to start playing on the same terms as their opponents. And that means cheating you know, you, sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, for, for 90 minutes, you should ha- hate every opposition player. You can be their best friend after the game. But for 90 minutes or 120 if it goes extra time, they're, they're not your friends. They're, they want to take points.
0: You want to take points.
1: OK, let's fight to the death.
0: I, I just can't imagine any Thai team having that that attitude. They're no, they're too nice, James. They're it's too often, nice. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's it's often a case of oh, oh, we lost today. Oh, well, better luck next week. Whereas it,
0: it's got to be, we just lost three points. This is the end of the world. Yeah, and like the play- you need that you need that nasty streak. And the players are all such kind of close friends as well. I mean, you see, with with big teams in England, mm. I mean, there were there were some famous examples. Obviously, people like Gary Neville, Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira. If if anyone in their team went and shook hands with the opposition before kickoff, or kind of you know had a little hug and a giggle before the game, they would have been fucking fuming. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, well, fun- funnily enough, because of this whole. Lockdown, well it's not a lockdown But we're all being encouraged to, to Stay indoors I've just been watching a lot of interviews Involving Gary Neville But the best ones have actually been Roy Keane <laughs> the, the level of his The level of his honesty And the intensity Of like his mentality It's just
2: Breathtaking yeah. Where He's actually come out, come out And
1: said look I wasn't I wasn't a brilliant footballer, even though a lot consider him one of the best central midfielders to play in the Premier League. He said a lot of the players around me were better, but I was the glue, so they could do their thing knowing that I would clean up the mess.
0: Yeah, I, I saw on the other kind of side of the coin, I saw an interesting um, article the other day about why uh, Juan Sebastian Veron didn't make it at Man United. And I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Rio Ferdinand and uh, wh- whoever it was, they said, well, the reason Veron couldn't succeed at Man United was because Keane was there. <laughs> and, and Keane was just the guy who everyone gave the ball to out of defence. You know, Keane was in that position mm-hmm. and you needed to have a force of personality as well as footballing ability to change that. And, Varon could never obviously match Keane for the way he commanded the team to work around him and, and follow him yeah, well, so, so it could never work with them both together
1: he, he set the standards of the squad more than Sir Alex did because there, there was one story where Gary Neville said on they, they just signed Andy Cole or, or Dwight York and they got to training and Keane, they were playing five-a-side and Keane had the ball and he was just thumping passes to Cole or York. At knee height, at shin height. like Just absolutely leathering the ball. And they couldn't control it. And then at the end of the game, he walked up to him and he said, you're replacing Eric Cantona. He used to control that.
2: Get better or fuck off. <laughs> what a wanker. <laughs> like, like so, so from the first day, they
1: went, oh... I've got to be better. I'm, I'm at Manchester United now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like he, he set the standards. So, but yeah. these days, that'd probably be considered bullying. So. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but but kind of tying it back into the and uh, talking about Thailand again, there is no one in the national yep. team who who fulfills that role. There's, there's no natural leader really in the team. There are some great players, but if you look at the the captains we've had in seasons past, we've had kind of Tiraton, Tirasil, maybe Chanatip once or twice, Sarach a few times, uh, Kawin, and that's just not going to cut it in terms of that um, that real brutal leadership. No, the,
1: the the player that I'd probably go for at the moment would probably be Pitywatt. Um, he'd probably be my my leader. Um,
0: he certainly he plays like a leader, but he again, the, but he doesn't really. I uh, to be honest, I haven't watched him that closely. He but I, I, yeah, I I, I don't is. see him shouting at, at more experienced, older players in the team. You know,
1: there, there's just not anyone that does that.
0: No. So,
1: so um, unfortunately, until that changes, you're not really going to have
0: that that leadership figure yeah yeah that's kind of my point so i guess so I guess that's a big that's a big reason why Thailand weren't able to to beat Australia and why they haven't won many of these games where they do seem to have matched their opponents technically but just always seem to end up on the losing side
1: yeah it's a mental thing there's no doubting that that they can match like even now they they they're starting to match opposition teams with physicality. Um, technically, they can do it very easily, but mentally, they're still—I wouldn't—I wouldn't say weak, but they're—they're not—they're not strong either. They're just average, I guess.
0: Yeah, and average is never going to be good enough to kind of to break into the the world's kind of top echelon. Do you ever? No. Do, do you see it as a, a possibility, even a remote possibility, that a Southeast Asian national team will kind of? Get to the level where they could make it into a, a 32 team World Cup.
1: Not a 32 team. No, no. Um, I'd, I'd like to think so. I think,
2: I think a lot of there's a lot of work going in behind the
1: scenes in a lot of Southeast Asian nations in terms of what they're doing at youth level. But if the, if the World Cup goes to 48 teams, like they want to. Then, then sure you're going to have at least one Southeast Asian team qualify, but a 32 team might just be a bit, a bit too far. Yeah, yeah. I, I also... I'd like to hope so because I, I definitely think that that football in the region is getting better. It's just what's great in Southeast Asia
0: doesn't quite match up to what's great in the other continents. Unfortunately, no, no. And I, too, I can't really see that changing, at least not in the foreseeable future. I think mm. the peak Thailand reached in the, the kind of the Zico-Turdsac era was 60-something.
1: And that was probably their best chance of ever qualifying for the World Cup. like that, Those Thai teams, Minus. Who, who's I the boy so, that yeah. plays for, for Bangkok last now on the wing, Chetong?
0: Who Siroch.
1: yeah he, how he was in the national team at that time <laughs> I will never understand like <laughs> yeah,
0: well he, he's he the, the one who I was talking about before who, who bullied the Australian team and actually yeah it, it was amazing <laughs> he,
1: he, he was
0: <laughs> don't get me started on him he, he was horrible <laughs> <laughs> I really like I really like Pipo he's he is rubbish. I, I I totally understand that he's rubbish, but you need like at least in the squad for me. Say if you're picking like a 23 man squad for a for a tournament, for me you just need someone like that in there who who's just there to mix it up in case that's what the situation calls for. I'm not saying we should be starting him like, but I I put him in my squad just for just for battering ram value. If, if, if you're going to do that, though, if it was me, I'd just, I'd just put Elias in the squad and say, look, you're in the squad as a defender, but if push comes to shove and we need to play long ball, we're going to throw you on up top. Yeah, I, I'm totally for that kind of stuff.
1: Like six, six foot five. <laughs> that, that's how I'd get around it. Any, anything's got to be better than Siraj. <laughs> <laughs>
0: his, his first touch is so bad. It's like so bad. <laughs> But I remember we, we saw him first in T2, right? Because he, he played for Ubon in T2. And this no. was the same season that we were down there. And Ubon and us were both in the fight for promotion. I think we ended up second and third at the time the, the season was prematurely called off. And uh, Ubon, I remember this, we we were banned from watching the game at the stadium because of some uh, some... Tong crowd trouble, as you'd expect. And we, we were all in the futsal stadium watching it on this big screen. And it was a fantastic atmosphere in there. We were having a really, really good, uh, good time watching the game. but I remember seeing Pipo. Their shirts were white. Their kits were all white. And it had been raining the day before or, or the, earlier that day. And the pitch was just covered in mud. And by the end of the game, Pipo's kit was completely caked in in mud you couldn't see a spot of white on his kit because <laughs> like, he'd spent the whole game just running up down the wing falling over getting getting kicked by whoever our our right back was at the time <laughs> it was it was hilarious and i just remember thinking oh. watching him and thinking you know i wish there were more tie players like this who would just you know just run over their opponents even if they weren't technically very good and and try and try and make something happen be direct be strong don't don't be scared to fail and fall on your face, which he did most of the time.
1: Well, isn't his nickname something involving a buffalo or something?
0: <laughs> no, I, no,
1: I think I think, I think I've seen something referencing him as a buffalo or,
0: or something. That, that's prob- sides, there's yeah. probably some memes out there of him, you know, comparing him to a buffalo. I mean, I could see the comparison. <laughs> I, th- I, th-
1: I think there like a, an actual nickname for him. Like not not something that I, I've made up or or anyone I know that's made up, but I'm pretty sure I saw something online
2: referencing him as as a buffalo or something along those lines.
0: I'll have to look it up. It it, it sounds plausible. <laughs>
2: like, it, it,
1: there's no doubting his power, but um, technically he's just leaves a lot to be desired.
0: Definitely. But that that's it. That that season, I'm pretty sure that we played Tana as a right wing back at times. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I kid you not my first ever game was Angtong at, at Pat okay. and I'm
1: pretty sure he scored an absolute worldie playing as a right wing back
0: Was it? he scored direct from a corner at some point was it that one no it, it,
2: it was it was like from the right wing back position that wow. he scored <laughs> where he kind of went he, he's not
1: going to shoot here and he did and it just it went in and he's kind of turned around to the bench. I think Cunha was on the bench. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, he, he's kind of turned to the bench and just done the old put his arms up like a
0: bodybuilder and, and gone back to halfway. <laughs> well, funnily enough, to, comparing those two players, I think um, Siroc more or less replaced um, Tana as the national team's kind of reserve striker. Because... Tanner was uh, Zico's go-to guy to come off the bench and, and make something happen. I, I didn't mind Tanner, to be honest. It he, uh, he was just his level of selfishness that was irritating at the end. Yeah, it was. I, I really didn't like him. He, he wasn't really capable of playing 90 minutes either.
1: <laughs> no, he, 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 he was your go-to guy off the bench like, come on, we need a goal, there's 30 minutes left, get on and just just go.
0: Yeah, he was very frustrating there.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, now now he's a big fish in a small pond playing in the lower league. so that's probably best for him anyway. What
0: what tier is he at now? Is he in the third tier now?
1: He was at Concan United last season, I think. He might still be there, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, last season he was
0: in T3. Okay, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Because he went went from us to Nongbua. Yeah. And then from Nongbua to Konkan United.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a very quick regression. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, it it happens to a lot of strikers where one day they're brilliant and then the next it's kind of all over for them.
0: The season before Tanner came to us, he had actually, I want to say he was top scorer in T2. He was definitely among the top, say, two or three scorers in T2. He'd scored something like 25 goals, 30 goals maybe. For uh, It was for police. Yeah, the,
1: the, yeah, he was at police, wasn't he? Yeah. Was he at police with Pino and all
0: that? He would have been there at the same time as Pino, Pacorn, Ratanai. And yeah, maybe a couple of others. We we did get a lot of players from police, and we generally did well out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, police did have did
1: have good good players before they before they were kicked out or or whatever went on there.
0: Yeah, strange situation. Yeah. Okay, so if we we we're both pretty pessimistic on the idea of. Any Southeast Asian teams breaking into that kind of top tier, but regardless of how good they can get, who do you think's the best at the moment?
1: At the moment, yeah. um, probably, <laughs> probably Vietnam.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's um, an argument they, for that. They'd be the they'd be the closest. Um, mentally,
1: they're very good. They're very they they're drilled. They, they're structured. They they know. The coach is very upfront with what he wants, what he expects, and how they're going to do it. And um, if things aren't going their way, you don't see them kind of go, oh, oh, well, next game. They can face the adversity and and keep going and try and change the situation that they're in. But
0: that being said, Thailand's still close to Vietnam. But they've also got... I'm a bit biased, but I I still think Thailand has technically better players, but I do agree with you that our mentality sometimes, we we can just fall to pieces and Vietnam don't.
1: If it was based based on technical ability, then Thailand would would be better. But sometimes you need those glue players where they're not as technically brilliant, but they'll do the job required where they'll they'll do what's required to get the three points. Yeah. And I think that that's just where Vietnam are probably a bit stronger. Like, they've got that, that fella in midfield, the number eight. Oh, he has got to be the dirtiest player in Southeast Asia. <laughs> like, it, it's he, he doesn't go on to, to the pitch thinking, I'm going to help my team win today. He goes on to the pitch thinking, look, there's Tip. I'm going to break his leg. Okay, <laughs> there's, there's San what I'm going to go and break his leg now. Like, he he literally enters the pitch to injure players.
0: And I'm amazed by how they use him as well, because I've seen him play right back, right wing and centre mid. So, like, they, yeah. do, they don't even care where he plays. They, they just, like, wherever there's a hole, put that guy in there <laughs> and he'll do a job. Yeah, he's he's probably best as a right right wing
2: back really like there's the old saying of put put your worst but fittest players at, at fullback <laughs> because they're there, to, they're there to run and they're,
0: they're, they're there to run some more yeah there's so it's but, in- you know, interesting like, what happened Thailand's
1: close but they've got Tirasil Tirasil's near the end of his career and there's still not that indication of Who's
2: going to take on his role for the team? Yeah. So when, when when he goes, there's a serious worry of
1: where where do we go for goals? Because Super Chai probably had Super Chai hasn't been developed well, in my opinion. Um, he's played striker, he's played centre mid, he's played left wing, he's played right wing. They just need to say, look, you play as a striker. You're you're now a left winger. They need to decide on a position for him and stick to it, because otherwise he's just going to be a jack of all trades, master of none.
0: I mean, you and I have talked about this a bit before. Like, the, I think Thailand's only hope in this—I I don't think we're going to get another great striker like Tirsin. Honestly, like, I think our only hope is that the way football is evolving doesn't even involve a number nine, and if yes. if football does evolve to that point where the team is genuinely better off without a number 9 and and they can just play with three attacking midfielders then Thailand are in good shape because we are stocked to the to the rafters in that position with the likes of ob- obviously Chanatip super Chok, super nut um Akinit. so i mean we've got in, yeah. we've got more attacking midfielders than we know what to do with <laughs> and it's so we're faced so with what that you're saying is, we're faced with this kind of dilemma okay. where we've got like Supernut I think Supernut maybe depending on how he grows up and how strong he becomes could could be moulded into a number 9 but will it's, that actually he's be to me. yeah I mean Boiran did play him through the middle next to their main foreign striker a lot last season because last season, obviously, they were—they didn't want to play both their foreign strikers. They didn't want to play Barazite and, and Johnson. And a lot of the time, they were just put in Supernut with one of them. And he was playing through the middle. Yeah. So, so,
1: so what you're saying, essentially, is Thailand need to hire Choke as the head coach of the <laughs> national team. Because he is experienced at not playing a striker.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, he's experienced at not playing a striker. And it being shit. <laughs> I mean, I think the current, the current Thailand manager has got that philosophy. He's got the philosophy where he doesn't really want to play a number nine. He wants to play a false nine. And I don't like that particularly. I don't think it really works quite. But I can see that if football continues to evolve in the way that it is, maybe, maybe that will be the best solution in the long term.
1: Well it, well it used to be defenders defenders were in the team to stop goals midfielders were in the team to link the defense to the attack and strikers were in the team to score goals now you're judging central defenders on how they are how good they are with the ball at their feet to to me a goalkeeper is in the team to stop the ball hit the back of the net if if he can't distribute the ball I couldn't care less as long as he's keeping the ball out <laughs> yeah the, the game's evolved now where everyone, you want your goalkeeper to be a sweeper, you want your central defenders to be almost like a deep playmaker and, and
0: all that. And your attackers but, have to be, your attackers are the first line of defence where they're pressing high up the pitch and, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, I, my ideal nine is, I, I don't care what you do, as long as you put the ball in the back of the net. Like, you, you could not run for 90 minutes, but if you get one chance and you score, I'm going to be happy.
0: So you're uh, very happy with Heberty so far this season, then?
1: Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> what, what a waste
0: of money. <laughs> you well, you talked um, yourself into that, though. You scored, you scored four goals in four games. T-
1: yes, but <laughs> in, in terms of actually helping the team, I think in an, in an attacking sense, we've regressed a lot this season. Um, it looks good in the goals, four goals against Colin for us at the moment, but there's no fluidity to our attack whatsoever, and it
0: it can almost directly be attributed to him. Yes, I do agree. I um, I don't like the way we're playing in comparison to how we played I, last year.
1: I, I think we're at our best when we shift the ball quickly and we play little triangles which get our wide men into the space. And, you know, once they're in that attacking third, by all means, attack the box, run at players, um, do what you need to do. But when you're trying to do that from the halfway line, that's when I take issue with it because there's clearly better players in better positions and you're just ignoring them to try and be a hero.
0: Yeah. And I, this was exactly what Boscovich did as well for me. Like I just found him dropping into midfield to play a simple pass when he didn't need to be there. And he could have been kind of stretching the defence, making a run, getting in the box.
1: Our, our biggest mistake in when we signed Boscovich was not, in my opinion, and it's not a popular opinion, Mario was available at the same time, and obviously <laughs> there's a reason why we can't sign him because of his history with Mung Tong, and it's very, very obvious that he loves Mungtong. Tong. But a player like him would have seen us get the best Boscovich because in, in the past I've been very, very, very critical of Sergio, but not so much anymore because I've, I've been woken up to seeing how important he is to us. But Sergio is a goal scorer first and foremost, and he's adding assists to his game now. But Boscovich requires a player that would rather pass him than score himself.
0: I, I disagree on, on what you think Sergio's natural game is. He, when he came to us, he was basically a centre midfielder or, or an attacking midfielder. I've never seen him as a, a natural yeah. goal scorer. I think on the he's, he's on the complete record. opposite end his of goal the scoring spectrum. His is is pretty, pretty damn good. It, it is it fielder. is very good. And he but I think he's added that to his game. I think the opposite. I think he he's always been that passer. He's always been more of a playmaker and through um not through choice but through necessity, he's added that kind of goal scoring element to to his game to adapt to being played as a number 9.
1: Yeah, well, well, last season that's that's just what I, I took away from it was he looks more like he's trying to hit the back of the net than to tee someone up. And um, a guy like Boscovich needs needs those needs those players where they're just trying to get him the ball because as a finisher, look look at that season at Bangkok United, his last season there, to to score thirty eight goals in a season, you, you you're obviously a good goal scorer. Yeah, but it kind of all all fell apart, and you know, I think there was both both sides were the issue. Where I think he wasn't willing to compromise on some of the things he's used to doing, and we weren't willing to compromise on where we wanted him to play.
0: Yeah, I and mean, I think always- I think at Port, it's never a case of one player being played out of position. It's normally a case of almost everyone being played out of position and who adapts to that the best and i think over the yes. seasons suarez has adapted to that really well where whether he's been asked to play as a a number 9 or a number 10 he's always done the job that was asked of him and made the best out of it even if it's not his natural game and i just didn't see that from boskovic yeah
1: i've definitely had a big change of part on where i stand with with Suarez, because last season and even in the preseason this year, it was just a case of hang on, and you know it was it was a realization where I kind of went, I can't, I can't keep thinking the way I'm thinking about him because it's very obvious how important he is to us. And,
0: and we we picked him up from the second tier.
1: Yeah, he, was he a police or songclaw at the time?
0: He, yeah he'd been at both I think he was at police I think he was another one we got from police yeah that's amazing I mean
1: yeah he's the thing that I'll give court credit for and you can't say it about a lot of play uh, teams in Thailand is when we get a foreign player
2: that we like we will keep them for better or for worse <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you, you look at you look at other teams and they'll swap out their foreign players every at the end of the leg or the end of the season, and next season they'll line up with a whole new bunch of them. Um, you've got two at, at Buriram that's got great longevity there, but John Baggio at, at Sukatai too.
2: Yeah. But apart from that,
1: there's not many foreigners that hang around at the same club for a long period of time. No, that's true. So so we, I'll, I'll give us
0: credit there. But at the same time, it can get to the point where you're kinda of ripping your hair out. <laughs> yeah, very true. So, um right, we've uh we've drifted a little bit, but if we we've decided that Vietnam are the best national team at the moment in Southeast Asia, who who do you think is the best player? Or let's say the best Southeast Asian player?
1: It's gotta be Pele, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> No, in, in, per, from personal opinion, it'd be it, 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 um, he He's he's class, yeah. But if, if his national team performances were as good as his league performances in Japan, then we'd be doing a lot better, in my opinion. Um, I don't think he brings as much to the national team as he does for Sapporo.
0: Mm. And I think yeah uh, in, in the uh, that, in the time period you're talking about we have seen other players emerge in his position who who have basically been over the last year or two more effective than him doing the same thing. Yeah.
1: Definitely. But I think I think it's a case of where we just expect so much because he's in the J League he's doing well in the J League so you go well if he can do that here well we're playing such and such today. Surely he's going to get two or three assists and, <laughs> and do all these magical things. And so you can never meet those expectations when you have them on, on players. Football just doesn't work like that.
0: The thing, whether or not Chanitip is always effective, and clearly he's not always effective. So Sometimes it's because he's not playing well, sometimes he just gets marked out of the game. But he's just so exciting yeah. to watch. Every time he gets the ball, you know that he can just turn his marker in an instant and set off an attack. And it's just having someone like that in your team as a spectator makes it so much more fun to watch. <laughs> well, there's just, as soon as he gets the ball,
1: you kind of step out of your seat and you go, here we go, like this, something cool is going to happen in a moment. Like he just has that excitement factor about him. And a funny story about Chanatip is I've got a friend who played in Thailand. I won't say who it is or where he played. But they were playing a friendly against, I think it was Mung Tong at the time. No, no it might have been Beck, sorry. And, and he was just a young, young player at the time. And my, my friend was playing fullback. And they, and they were lining up and Chanatip was playing. And he went. Was the ball boy playing? <laughs> because he had he had no idea who Chanatip
2: was, and so the game kicks off and they're going. And he's about fifteen minutes in. He goes, "This is this is bullshit." Like I've been I've been stitched up here in the sense of having to mark this this kid. And in
1: the end, he just went, like, "Ah,
2: my hammy, I've got to come off." Oh. because he <laughs> couldn't he couldn't keep up with Chanatip. Chanatip was just taking the Mickey. And um, after that, he, he
0: he found out it's not the ball boy; it's, it's Chanathip, and he's the next big thing. In time for <laughs> ball. Wow! Yeah, that's hilarious. So, and there, there was a there was a louse boy for for um,
1: Bangkok Blast. He he did break through to the team. Not Sukaphone; it was a, a different boy, and he he looked very much like Chanathip, but things just didn't work out for him and i don't even think he's playing anymore
0: wow he was left footed could take free kicks he was just a creator really mm. really good and um he ended up at loud toyota and Yeah, then not, not sure haven't heard anything of him since well may, maybe i mean with Chanatip, he doesn't just have that natural ability he's got the drive as well he's got ambition he's got uh kind of he's got a good head on his shoulders yeah he's definitely got more than
1: what a lot of other players in the region have in terms of his his strength and desire where he he wants to test himself if if he got an
0: opportunity to go to europe i think he'd actually have a good chance of succeeding and so do you think that would be a good move for him
1: I'd be I'd be interested to see it happen. I think he's in a good
0: spot. Ah, that's that's is. different though. Do you do you think it would be a good move for his for his career?
1: Depends on where he
0: goes. Yeah, that's it? true. Um if if he goes to a Spain or an Italy, yes, definitely, it'd be a good move. Mm. Um
1: if if he goes to a Premier League, no.
0: How about Germany? If, if he goes to a because there were rumours about a German club being interested a while ago. He'd have to, he'd have to go to the, the, the second league there first. Yeah, yeah. Because didn't...
1: didn't Who played in Datukon? Datukon. He Datukon, Germany, Datukon
0: was at Kaiserslautern, I think. Mm. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, he, he was another good one, wasn't he?
0: He was, but I think he lacked what we're talking about with Chanatip, where... I don't think Tatsukorn trained as hard. I don't think... He certainly had the natural ability, but I don't know how much he really wanted to succeed in the way that Chinatip does.
1: Yeah. Well, some some of these players, they just want to be that big fish in a small pond. Go back to their province whenever they can. Um, They like being
0: comfortable. I think Tatsukorn went to Germany when he was younger as well. I think he went there... Maybe when he was in his early, very early twenties, whereas Chanatip's had a bit more okay. experience first, and maybe, yeah. maybe that because t- t- I think t- if you send nineteen-year-old Chanatip to to Japan, maybe he never even makes an appearance. You know, maybe he never gets in the first team at all.
1: Yeah, he had that experience before he even went abroad, which is which is huge, really, because you know the expectations of being a professional footballer. Yeah.
0: Cuz Tiratet went to Crystal Palace too, but obviously that that didn't work out. No, never played a game. Zico was at Sheffield Wednesday. I want to Oh no, um Huddersfield. Huddersfield. H- 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 yeah, Huddersfield. H-
1: H- H- <laughs> I I never got to see Zico
0: play ever. So okay. I can't really comment on it too much, but he he's absolutely adored in Vietnam. Well, yeah, he yeah, had a very good record with. I, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name of the team, but that team. Gli. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> both, both as a player and manager, right? Yeah, he, he was a player coach there as well. I think at one stage. Wow! Yeah. Um. There's, there's been history of Thai players going to Vietnam and doing very well, but. The same can't really be said of players coming from Vietnam and doing well in Thailand. No, that's true. Certainly that. The uh, the striker, the African striker who had been um, naturalised as a Vietnamese. Samson. Uh, Samson. he He had a shocking time. He looked like an absolutely brilliant signing for Boi when you looked at his goal record in Vietnam. But um, he was a disaster. Yeah
1: wasn't wasn't a good signing at the end of the day. Um, I think I think in terms of the leagues, the for, for Vietnamese players, it's probably a lot easier playing in their league than, than it is in the Thai league. Um, I think the Thai Thai league has better foreign players than the V V league does. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I actually see when i watch vietnamese games is that the the local players are far better than the foreign players and it's that's not how it's supposed to be no no the,
0: the foreign players are supposed to actually drive your team to become better but that, that's not exactly what happens there <laughs> yeah it's interesting uh, yeah so we're talking a little bit about kind of Thailand, Vietnam. What do you think is the best league in Southeast Asia?
1: T1, easily. Like You don't even have to think about it, really. It's, it's just head and shoulders above what else is available in the region. And the scary thing is, in
2: my opinion, T1's actually regressed a little bit in the last three or four years, but it's still far better than everything
1: else in the region
0: yeah well I, I agree the top teams I think the the best Tong team and the best Buiran team of a few seasons ago would absolutely walk the league this season oh definitely so in that sense I, I think it's regressed
1: the thing that I think actually needs to change in, in T1 is and hear me out before before you respond. I actually think that you need to go to seven foreigners, but only five of them can play on the weekend, so that you don't have foreigners just going. Oh well, I'm signed. They can't play anyone else, so I'm going to start every week. Mm. Yeah. So and 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 from there, places in the team shouldn't just be handed to players because of where they're from. So. If you have seven foreigners on the books, then the Thai players have to raise their game because they don't want to not be playing on the weekend. The foreigners have to raise their game because there's two of them that are going to have to drop out on the weekend. So you're going to have a squad of competition.
0: And with that, you're going to get better results, you think? Well, we do actually. I mean. At the moment, there are seven foreigners allowed, and obviously three of them are ASEAN. ASEAN take away players. Take the
1: ASEAN rule.
0: Yeah. yeah, but if, if, going if you, going back to if you
1: five plus one plus one. Yeah, then you've, got, then you've got the
0: ball rolling. Yeah, and then, as you say, only only five of those seven can play. Yeah, so so
1: you'd say on the weekend you can only play five. Um, at most, you can play four from from anywhere, and then it's between the AFC and the ASEAN spot for the other one.
2: Mm. Yeah. Because you
1: don't want teams signing five Brazilians, a, a, a Japanese boy, and
2: a, and a boy from Malaysia, for instance. Yeah. And then every week the five Brazilians start like, exactly. You have that. Yeah. So you'd
1: you'd still need to find a, a, a way to make it right, but if if you did that, then T one gets stronger. T2 gets stronger because obviously there's going to be Thai boys that need to be loaned out because they're not getting as much game time. Mm -hmm. So then that makes T2 better. And then you've got T3 getting better. And if if that happened, I'd actually drop T3 from being allowed X amount of foreigners to three. You can have three from anywhere. T4, you can't have any. Because uh, to, to me, having foreigners in T4 was a bit... A bit strange, really, considering that the the budgets aren't really that worthwhile in terms of bringing in a foreign player.
0: Yeah, true. So
1: yeah, that, 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 that's how I do it. But getting getting back to your question, um, it'd be T one then Malaysia. Malaysia's probably the closest to to Thailand in terms of the strength of the league. Mm-hmm. And then it's a then then it's a thumb war. Between
0: Indonesia it's and Vietnam. Vietnam. and Indonesia, yeah. Okay. And re- regardless of which is the best league then, who do you think is, at this exact moment, the best club team? Johor. Yeah. yeah. I want to disagree with you, but I can't. You've got, <laughs> you've,
1: you've got Diogo, obviously. They've got a Brazilian defender. He was at Lazio. Um, so... He's officially got a bit of ability about him. Um, yeah. And then the
0: rest of their squad either plays for the national team or they've been naturalised so that they can play for the national team. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few so, kind of British Malaysian players, aren't there?
1: Yeah, there's one boy who's playing for, for Selangor now, um, Swarad. He's a, he's a defender. But he, he was just playing non league football before arriving in Malaysia. Then you just got all these other ones where they've been in Malaysia that long. Where they've gone? Hang on, you've been here that long that you're obviously not going anywhere else. We'll, we'll get you on board so that you can play for the
2: national team.
0: Yeah, they've got the um, at least one of these. Well, they've got, I think they've got both brothers, the Insa brothers. Right there's Nacho, Nacho Insa, and Kiko Insa, and the older yep. brother okay. Nacho is like seems unbelievable.
1: He's bonkers. <laughs> you, you look at him and then you look at his brother and you go, are you two really related? Like <laughs> the, the complete polar
0: opposites where... Well, Kiko actually came, just got, came to Thailand. I think he played for, was it Bangkok Glass? He, he was
1: at Bangkok Glass and he was on the field for them, but I'm not sure he ever played. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he, he really wasn't... He wasn't
0: an answer to what they needed at the time. I think that's the most. Yeah. That's the nicest way I can say it, really. And they have got this guy as well, a right back, who's got one of the best names. Ver Corbin Ong. <laughs> yeah, so he's, so he's much he's going Canadian, on with that name.
1: It's, can, he's Canadian, Dutch, English, Malaysian. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. And he's
0: packed them all into that name. That's brilliant.
1: He's got an afro and everything. Like, How can you not like him?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It, it it is scientific that an af- afro makes you a more like likable player.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean we've seen it with uh, with Tanisit this year,
1: and Borden in previous
0: years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although if you dye that afro blonde, then the uh, the magic uh, the magic fades somehow.
1: And instant fury comes from the yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, obviously the main, the main thing that separates um, Johor is signing Tiogo. It was such a shock. It's, it's such an amazing coup that they managed to pull off.
1: Yeah. Um, but it, it's not just their, their playing
0: squad that's fantastic. Look at their facilities. Like, yeah, you know, their stadium's amazing. And you could put that club in Europe and
1: you would, it has the facilities that you would expect from a top club in Europe. And, like, their, their owner is, is like, way into Spanish football, and everything he does for Johor, he, mo- he models from Spanish football clubs.
0: Interesting. And is I think he... They,
1: I think they have a relationship with Valencia, okay. where they get youth coaches from them.
0: Okay, and is... Are the owners in general in Malaysia, but him specifically, are they the same kind of owners that we have in Thailand where they're just like madly plastering their face over everything? And Is it similar in that Uh, sense? I I, I don't really pay too much attention to that stuff Um,
1: in Malaysia. I've never really noticed it. But I do know that the Sultan is hugely important to Johor and they love him for... It's just so obvious to see why you would love him when, when someone does
0: that for your football club. Oh, uh, so they? I've, I've
1: never, no, I've never noticed it. To be honest, so in, their in president
0: college, is a sultan else. as well.
1: Yeah, he's the, he's the crown prince, I
0: think. Okay. So I don't know if they're the same team, but yeah, he, he's hugely important.
1: He's hugely, hugely wealthy, and he he's. The perfect football club owner, really, in what he does for his team. The resources he provides. Um, yeah. It's what you want. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he The way he sets things up, the players can't do anything but succeed because everything's been taken care
2: of for them.
0: And it's uh, getting on to the kind of the specific situation we're in now with the COVID 19 virus situation. Obviously, clubs like. Johor, who are funded by someone super rich, obviously Bowie Ram Port, all of these clubs are going to be fine, and it's going to make absolutely no difference. But um, what what do you think the impact's going to be like on other Thai clubs, Thai clubs who are run kind of more on the margins?
1: I think it, I think it's inevitable, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's inevitable that possibly a few few fold. The only way they could get around that is if they merge, and I don't think, I don't think that ego,
0: or things like that, will allow that to happen. Also, so, also the kind of rigid league rules wouldn't allow that to happen. Yeah, that that
1: too. But um, the, a lot of the clubs in like T three or T four, they wouldn't they wouldn't have the the cash flow where players could sit sit by and just wait for six months paying no. them still. So it's going to get to that stage where if, if they do do that, then they're going to have no money.
0: Yeah, it's it's a so, devastating situation because even, even before this crisis, if we go back to before this season started a few months ago, there were more clubs going out of business than, than we've ever seen before, right? I mean... Uh, there was something like a dozen clubs. Yeah. yeah absolutely Air force who have existed I mean, forever. Um, Army. I have
1: ne- never seen anything like that happen in my life. Like you get you get the club that uh, that says, Oh, this city's not for us, we're going somewhere else, like like you're part of your United. But to have so many clubs fold in one off season
0: was just unparalleled <laughs> yeah and so if we you know we take that that kind of inherently unstable position and add the lockdown COVID-19 situation I mean it could be an absolute bloodbath it could be like I, like I said most T1 teams have owners with a fair amount of money but a lot of them don't and even I mean Wong Tong have been on a tight budget this season. What what do they do without their gate receipts and, and all this kind of stuff? Well, they're, they're very lucky that they cut costs so much in the off-season now because they'd be in a world of hurt if they hadn't. It's true. That's turned out to be a, a pretty good decision from them.
1: A, a blessing in disguise almost, although not for us really because we got, we got all their players. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, there's not really one player from them that we have got in the off season where I could say, "Oh, I'm ecstatic that we signed him," because <laughs> I'm not.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for us, it literally makes no difference at all because all the money comes from um, from Madame Pang's pocket, and I don't see the life insurance business taking a taking a big hit. <laughs>
1: oh, definitely not.
0: Um,
1: and but getting back to that, it's going to get to the stage where clubs are going to say, "Look."
0: Either take a pay cut or you're free to leave. We'll, we'll release you. I think because you mentioned you mentioned yesterday that a team it was it the whole Indonesian League was being forced to take oh, a seventy five percent pay cut. Player, every player in Liga One and Liga Two. That's stunning. I mean uh, their league's gonna
1: survive because of it. Yeah. So that's one good that's one good thing about it. Whereas I sent you the other day, there was a Swiss club, Sion, they went to their players and they said look, we haven't got the money to keep paying you to sit still, can you can you take, I don't know what percentage of, of a pay cut it was, um, can you take a pay cut so that we can survive and continue to pay the, the people around the club that you don't see, and mm-hmm. nine players said, no, release us and of them, you've got Johan Juru, you've got Alex Song, and you had one other player, and <laughs> they've played for Arsenal. They've played for played in Russia. They would have millions in the bank, and they're not willing to take a pay cut. So you are going to have those guys that are on big money saying, "No, I'm
0: not going to do it." And if that does happen, Sorry. we're going to have to basically have another another transfer window. When it all restarts, because if there are foreign players leaving, then you know clubs should have a chance to make up make up for that and sign another player yeah and
1: if, if that was to happen where say a player's earning X amount of dollars and you went look we need you to take 50% pay cut say, say they're on 250,000 baht a month and you say look we need you to take a 50% pay cut you'll be on 125,000 we guarantee you we're still going to pay that every month and then When this is all over, you'll go back to your original contract. If that happened and the player said, no, I want to leave, I'd be putting a mark against their name saying, I'm going to let every club in Thailand know about this player so that no one else wants him.
0: I agree. I completely agree. I think for players who have earned that much over a long period of time, there is a certain responsibility to, not just to the club, but to the league as a whole. And to to yeah, the country to as a whole, just date. to humanity as a whole, just to be fucking reasonable. <laughs> yeah.
1: If if you can't survive in Bangkok on one hundred twenty five thousand baht a month, what are you doing? And can I come?
0: <laughs> and and getting the money to do nothing as well. That's the thing. That's what people have to understand. Like they're not, they're almost not really taking a pay cut because they're doing nothing. <laughs> they full, full-time TikTok performers at the moment. <laughs> here's a question. Uh, um, here's a question. Get away from all this seriousness. Um, who do you think is the port player with the best social media presence? It's got to be Atta uh, <laughs> That's, that's uh, what, what I thought every, of when you said TikTok as well. Time, every, every time I see him, I can't
1: help but smile. <laughs> and even in, in in the Leo Cup, in the preseason when he was taking those penalties and he was just doing those things it was just like he knows he's not the most important player but it's guys like him that are so important
2: to the squad yeah because when it's all when it's all doom and gloom he'll
0: be there to lift them all up and say come on let's keep going yeah and he's got he's actually a decent player as well he's not i don't think he's good enough to get into our 11 at all in any position but no. He he is good enough to do a job off the bench in multiple positions, and even as a player, that is a that is a worthwhile feature to have around. Plus, obviously, he's a good character.
1: Well, well, it, it comes down to: do we need a right back? Ataboy can play that. Do we need a centre back? Ataboy can play that. Do we yeah. need a defensive midfielder, a centre midfielder, a right midfielder? <laughs> he can do all those roles. And yeah. He might not give you a seven or an eight, but he'll give you a six. Yeah, and and it, like it's just players like that that come in and do it that are really important if you want to
0: win trophies. Well, he's basically directly replacing in that role uh, Addison, <laughs> Addison Dengroen, who who had done that job for years, yeah. and at that kind of mid mid T one to T two level, he was perfect for that. He's
1: an upgrade on Addison from me.
0: Definitely, yeah. I mean, Addison just technically wasn't good enough with the ball to be a centre midfielder yeah. at a top T1 team. Yeah. But he was also a great presence. He was apparently a really, really hard trainer. He was very, very fit. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's important yeah. to have all these things.
1: Yeah, you need, you need players like that in your squad.
0: Yeah. So, um, if we're uh, talk, talking a little bit about recruitment, um, since Pang came into port, we've had a few different Southeast Asian players. We've had in the pre-Pang era. Actually, when I was doing research on this ages ago, I did I did a load of I did a big look into all the players we'd signed from different countries, and we actually had a Vietnamese player in the in the nineties, which was very random. Right. I know absolutely nothing about him, but anyway, um, we had him, and then we had Patrick Reichelt in. Yeah, before the Pang era that was in the time when there was a seven seven foreign player quota and then yeah. since we switched to three players or oh no actually when when we switched to having a quota for one ASEAN player we signed Terence Puhiri. and after we switched to three we signed uh, Stoibler Martin Stoibler so how do you how do you rate our Southeast Asian transfer business
1: rubbish <laughs> and and, and- not, not in the sense of the, the quality of the players, because I, I like both
0: players. I think they're both good players. But we just haven't utilised the rule. Exactly. That's exactly you know? what I was thinking. Because I really that, like that Puhiri, was, and I really like Stoibler. <laughs> yeah. He, he, Terence was criminally underused.
2: like why, why wouldn't you use him in the cup, at the very least?
0: Well, the answer to that basically was the way that the rule was structured was we had to take off a foreign player to put Terence onto the pitch
1: yeah but in, in the cup it doesn't matter as much you know. <laughs> if, if, if I have the choice between having one of my other three available for a league game or a cup game then I'd rather them available for the league game
0: yeah, yeah I agree
1: if, if we did that then in the second season he would have been where the rule changed again where they could all be on the pitch at the same time if, if we'd done that during that season he would have been more on board to stay with us rather than going back to Indonesia
0: yeah if he'd had a fair shake he would have stayed 100% yeah
1: and and he was another one where when he got the ball you were kind of excited because you've seen all the YouTube videos of him where (laughs) he's pretty much a a 5 foot Usain bowl but um, yeah it just didn't work out for him but with Martin I I, I like Martin Um, he's solid reliable doesn't kick up a fuss, he does the job and that, that's exactly what you want
0: Yeah, with Terence, there was one one game at the end of his season with Port where he'd, he'd been getting a little bit more game time, because I think the idea was just to get him a goal You know, get, just let Terence score for like, he's tried so hard and everything and he's so well liked and there was a game we were winning maybe 4 or 5 nil. And there was some beautiful ticky tacker. We'd worn the worn the opposition down to the point where they weren't even defending. And uh, Terence was clear through on the keeper, and little bastard squares it and gives a tap into someone else. And I was so so angry with him. <laughs> I what shout I angry? shouted louder in anger than I have for like almost any goal that we've scored that he didn't score himself. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the game against Navy? It it probably was. We stuffed them, didn't we?
1: Because I I remember we absolutely battered them at back. Like they some of them just looked like I can't believe I'm a professional footballer at that
0: stage. Yeah, the hit the back of the
1: net, they were kind of like, oh,
0: oh crap. <laughs> yeah, they had lost the will to live. And, uh, and all Terence had to do was get himself a goal. <laughs> and uh, but that's the yeah. thing—he's such a likable guy. He didn't even—he didn't even care. He just—he was still trying to do the best thing for the team. It was slightly more—it was slightly higher percentage to play the pass, so he played the pass. Yeah, and uh, you'd think that the coach would see that and go, "Well, if he's willing to do that, surely I'll give him a few extra minutes in the next game." Mm. But it never
1: quite—quite quite happened
2: for him.
0: I think Terence. I think he may have only made one start, and he was really, really unlucky then as well. Because I think that was a cup game, and someone someone got it sent was, off. Yeah, it was a cup. Yeah, and he ended up having to play the whole game at right back, pretty much, or right wing back. You know, like, and it was it was just really, really unfortunate. Yeah, and and
1: physically, like in terms of how rapid he is, you think of. Oh, he could almost do a job as a right wing back, but it's
2: it's not the role for him. No, you no. want him in the attacking third, yeah. Because he, he's the kind of he's the kind of guy
1: where you want to If you're chasing a game, let's just lump it,
2: and he can run on to put it. We yeah. know he's going to get there,
0: <laughs> and then kick the ball at the corner flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, slightly higher grade Ekapu in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um. He's
1: now he's
0: now Naconpatom I think yeah yeah his his hometown I think or near his hometown I think he's from Nakonpatom, Ratchaburi area so
1: yeah I think he's from Ratchaburi
0: but yeah, yeah close enough yeah so so obviously we had only those players in the Pang era Terence and, and Stoibler what, what else should we have done with the quota spots goalkeeper yeah um, goalkeeper that's
1: the most. Like, you, you know where I am in terms of where I think we need to strengthen. That's goalkeeper, central defender, and, and a striker. Yeah. So if we if we if we can't get the foreigners that we want in those positions from from elsewhere, then why not utilise this rule to get who we
0: can? Yeah, I mean there are certainly ASEAN goalkeepers out there. Obviously, Fulkisgard yeah. at at Bangkok United. There's also, I mean. I wrote a few articles about this, which I can uh, post the link to in the, uh, in the description for this. And yeah, there, there are players playing in the kind of Danish second tier, the Swiss first tier and players with Filipino passports. And, and yeah. we're mad not to, not to give it a try. We should at least be trying to sign these players. Uh, some of them might not want to move to Asia, but we've, we've got to try. It would make such a difference. Well,
1: with, with, without being too cocky, with, with the amount of money we have, we can change their mind. Absolutely. I don't want to come to I don't want, I don't want to, come to, to Asia.
0: Oh, what about this for a salary? Oh, all right, <laughs> I don't want to come to Asia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, play, players
1: are players at the end of the day, and money talks. So as long as you're not bankrupting the club, then, then why not go for it if you can afford
2: it?
0: Yeah, from the player's point of view, you're offering them... The the chance to be a bigger star, right? I mean if you come and play at port, you're a bigger name than you would be if you're playing let's say in the Danish second tier. You're offering them more more exposure to their to their national team probably as well, which is which is a good thing. You're offering them more money. It it's really is a good move for all concerned if if the player decides well, look at, they want to do it. Look at what
1: happened with Dumboya. He was playing in like Scottish leagues in, was <laughs> yeah. playing in he was playing in the second division in Scotland at one stage Bloody like, so he's 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 come to Thailand he's done extremely well and now he's probably on more money than he ever made in his whole career beforehand in China yeah yeah but with with the ASEAN i, I know it's hard to find an ASEAN central defender or an ASEAN striker but you're right in regards to to the goalkeepers that are that are available. And going off the list that you did
0: in your your scouting report reports, you go for Mendoza. Yeah, that's that's the one I'm talking about. When I say Danish second tier, he looked fantastic. Yeah,
2: and but like it, it's just crazy where the fans do those things. You'd love to think that the football club
1: is actually doing that themselves, where they go. <laughs> This is where we need to strengthen. This is the young rule. These are the players available. Who do we want? <laughs> it's,
0: yep.
1: it's, it's, I don't even think we have a scouting department.
0: No, we don't. Of course, we don't. We have we have a few favorite agents who who get asked to do things by the club, and then they they try and do them.
1: <laughs> well, if, at the end of the day, the agent's got to do what's best for them and their clients. So. Exactly. A lot of the time they're not necessarily going to be giving you
0: No, I mean, best options. agents for, I mean, for in their going, pos- going, in their position, going, they are basically always going to do um, do something good for the club they're working with, which which then gives them makes it more likely that they'll the club will work with them again in the future. Right, so they have an incentive to get you a good yeah. player or a couple of good players. But then, as that as that relationship goes on and on, they're they're in a position where they're trusted by the club and they can just offload a load of shit players onto you. For, you know. yeah. It's like, it's
1: like those those sales at the markets: buy one, get three free, or something.
0: Exactly. So yeah. Here's one good player, but you've got to take three duds with it. Exactly. And those players and, oh, and agents... Didn't we for
1: this. have a Lichtenstein fella at one stage?
0: Um, What's his name? I'm sure. Matthias we Christen. We had a boyfriend. Matthias Christen. <laughs>
1: like, how did he even get a, like, a job? How did he
0: get to Thailand? <laughs> it's a funny one, isn't it? It's really strange.
1: Really random.
0: And he ended up suing the club for millions of baht (laughs) and winning incredibly I mean I'm not like he won how does anyone sue a Thai club in a Thai court and win or did he sue them through FIFA or something I don't
1: know you're more likely to win in a FIFA case
0: than you are in a Thai court exactly yeah so he probably did that he probably did it through FIFA but that was an amazing story even then when, when you do it through FIFA you're still not guaranteed to get your money FIFA's just saying, you're right, they owe you this much. But whether you get that amount of money or not, it's completely unknown. You might. Yeah. Yeah, that was an amazing situation. We've, we've had some very random foreigners over the years. I've written about that before as well. There's, there's a pretty amazing list of, of players who have come and gone. Who have, I mean, there was one guy who I'm convinced wasn't a professional footballer. Like he was just pretending to be a professional footballer. Is is this this, uh, Amara? No, no. The the South Korean centre midfielder. um, There's a South Korean centre midfielder, um, Kim Ba-wei. Kim Ba-wei. And there's no record of him playing for any club before he was at Port. And then after he (laughs) was at Port, there was a rumour that he was going to go to Ayutthaya and then it never happened. And he's got a couple of social media profiles which are just a load of pictures of his time at port and basically every like official port photograph, which with him in it, he has gone around and got them all and tagged himself in them. (laughs) He's like, look, I'm a professional footballer. (laughs) And everyone who watched him just said he was completely rubbish. Like he wasn't, he wasn't by any stretch of the imagination good enough to be playing in, you know, uh, in Thailand. I mean, it's just amazing. And other players as well i mean i actually another south korean player i really liked but lee ho do you remember lee ho maybe that was a little bit before your time he
1: he was a was he a defender quite small
0: he no he was very big he was a defender he was a he was a big lad central defender and he we played him at the back at the start of when he arrived with port and he was He looked quite good at times, but he was never more than 10 minutes away from a calamitous mistake. So you couldn't play him at centre-back and trust that he wasn't going to fuck it up at some point. So basically, we figured out, okay, we can't use him there. Let's just shove him a bit further up the pitch. And we put, (laughs) towards the end of the game, we just shove him into central midfield or attack. And he turned out to be an absolute beast going forward. Like, he he would just run past players with these long aimless strides and he had an absolutely thunderous shot on him and he scored a couple of amazing goals and he took a mean penalty as well (laughs) but again the reason i mentioned him was after he left port he never played football again and he was mid-20s well wasn't there one
1: that we had that ended up at ptt a couple was it last year or the year
0: before korean well no our last two koreans have been have been Go and uh, Kim. No,
1: no, a, a Korean from from years and years before before they arrived at PTT. I think there was there was
0: one. There, can't, there know, could have been.
1: Can't, can't remember his name.
0: Yeah, we've had we've had a lot back in the day when when we had that uh, quota rule with whatever seven seven foreign players. We often had two or three of those as, as South Koreans. Ah. Uh-huh so there are a lot of Korean players who, who I'm not going to remember
1: the, the, f- the first year that I started supporting the club we had Rodrigo uh, Wagner Carioca Cunha, Genki and like well, was was a spud he, could, he <laughs> wasn't a good player for me but Genki was a guy that I couldn't help but like
0: yeah Genki was a soldier he,
1: he, his, his work ethic was just probably up there with the best in the club definitely
0: and then and then you've got Cunha who's on the bench and he's just throwing fits <laughs> non-stop yeah I mean we and had some nutters in that club.
1: You've, you've got a guy like Genki who just does the work, gets on with his job you don't hear anything from him
0: and as well as I mean obviously Thiago was the centre of many uh, disputes and problems and things like that but um, Wagner Wagner Carioca as well there was a situation I think it was a game against Sonkha where he said something to one of their foreign players it was a I'm not sure if he was amazing yeah (laughs) not sure if he was an African guy or a black Brazilian guy but Wagner said something which really really triggered him and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the guy came at Wagner like he wanted to kill him. It was amazing. Yeah, hey. and then um, and the, the first game I went to, we, there was Renan o- o- Oliveira or whatever his yeah, surname was. Yeah, Renan Oliveira. And they're saying this this guy's amazing. He's he's gonna be our next
1: signing or something like that. And then he, I think he did a warm up at half-time and we were just watching it and we turned to the person that we were with and we said, well, at least he has a good afro. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah, he, couldn't yeah. play, he couldn't play football. <laughs> he had a good haircut. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was another, another ridiculous signing.
1: Uh, it's not like us to sign anyone ridiculously. Is
0: it? <laughs> We'd be here all day if we, if we started going through all of the, uh, all of the shit pointless transfers we've made. um, Or the
1: the year where we we took someone out, then put them back in, and cost ourselves being able to sign someone else, and then we got rid of the player, then
0: we (sighs) got again. Yeah, that was that was next level. The thing is, I mean, (laughs) like I thought going back to the Renan Oliveira situation, I thought we did that as well, but I'm not sure if the league fucked up or we fucked up because. I'm pretty sure he played a game. Like one game. would have been a cup game, I think. Because but, the, okay. there's a bit more leeway. There's more leeway with the, rule, the the foreign player rules in the cups than there is in the league. But how? Don't quote me on, it, that,
1: on that for 100% fact.
0: Exactly, that's but what I'm think thinking. There's a
1: little bit more.
0: I'm pretty sure that after he played, we then went on to play as many foreign players as we wanted in the league and in the cup. So I don't see how him playing was ever allowed. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know if we, if we just kind of did it, forgot about it and then got away with it. Or if maybe the rule was different that year, or maybe I don't understand the rule or, you know, it could be a thousand different things, but the amount of times that our incompetence or indifference has led to us messing up our our transfers and falling foul of transfer rules and oh it's just unbearable it's unbearable to think about yeah as fans well, who were... kind of invest so much emotion in in what goes on <laughs> you know to see that much incompetence being being rolled out yeah the, the... This advice you could give to a football fan in Thailand is never get a foreign player on the back of your shirt
2: <laughs> because you, n- you never know if they're going to be there next week, you'll always have your, your local guys in all
1: likelihood but that, if, if you're going to get a name on the back of your shirt, definitely get
0: mate, tell t- t- that to my Artich shirt <laughs> 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 I think the turnover, the player turnover in general, is higher among Thai clubs than certainly than we're used to from from European clubs. Or, yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. It's it's
1: it's just when 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 you cancel the contract of a player as well, you're supposed to pay out the remainder of their contract that they had with you. So just think of how much clubs are spending in terms of termination fees, so that they can go out and sign a new player.
0: Mm, yeah. Like, the question is, though, how it's, it's, much? How much of that is actually paid? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's just one of those un, unknown things. Exactly.
0: And, um, we we never if, know really.
1: If they have fallen fall foul, then if the player will, if, if they're big enough and strong enough, they'll take it to FIFA and it'll get
0: proven that they're owed. I guess. Yeah, but in. In the vast majority of cases, I'm sure that player ends up wanting to continue playing in Thailand, and, and if they want to do that, then they're not going to go against owners of particularly yeah, exactly. influential it's big exactly teams, right. and yeah. everyone's just going to kind of bend over and take it. In at yeah, least in at least take, in the event, you'll take the short term yeah, at least in the event that it's not absolutely <laughs> grievous, like maybe if a club says. You know, in the contract that they have to pay out um, three months, and they pay out one month or something. You know, may- maybe the player accepts it, but if the club just tells yeah. them to fuck off with nothing, then then maybe maybe they don't. It, it also depends where the player is
2: with his with his career. He might be thirty five and he's not going to get another club. Yeah. So he might just go. Well, you can stick it. I'm taking this further. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. You, all that stuff's an unknown really yeah the amount of foreign
1: players that spend just six months or or whatever just a leg in in thailand and then move on is just
2: incredible
0: and a lot of them just end up going straight back to brazil as well (laughs) because so many of our foreign players are from brazil and they just come over here they're like play play for six months and then Head straight back. I'll play six months and then sign in
1: the twenty seventh division of Brazil.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, that's exactly what, um say Wagner. Wagner, that's exactly what he did. He played, yeah, less than half a season. He, he was in and out of the team for half a season, and then he fucked off back to Brazil. Yeah, sure. There are countless examples. So
1: you, you got to wonder where players, clubs are getting these players from. Who is advising them to sign these players Are they doing a, a trial Of sorts before
2: they sign them <laughs> like, yeah. Because like Obviously you're going to get a few Gems from those lower leagues At Brazil That's that's just a given Yeah. Like, they're not all going to be They're not all going to be Robinho or, or anything like that but they're not all going to be Donkeys either But
1: mm-hmm. yeah. like, you, Your strike rate's going to be a lot Better Signing from a higher
0: division, surely. I think there was some me um, some graphics posted by the Thai League a few weeks ago, where they showed the country, the countries which have provided the most foreign players, the Thai teams, and the Brazil yeah. was, it was like fifty percent of the total or something. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah, no other and, and single country was anywhere near.
2: To African players are so underutilized. Mm, yeah, like, you've, you've got like a Pong broke through in Thailand and ended up in Europe. Yeah.
1: John Mary is now in China via Europe. Like, there's been Africans that have played in Thailand. Dumboya, even he's the most recent. There's been African players that have played in Thailand and gone on to bigger and better things. Whereas there's not many players from from other regions that have done that
0: yeah it's true we're one of the few clubs that's kind of done well with um, European players with with our Spaniards obviously with Rochella and Suarez we've had a, a certain amount of success and there aren't many Europeans kicking around this league now. I saw actually that the Thai league did post uh, an all-time best 11 of European players. And it was, it was pretty poor. There weren't many players to choose from in a lot of positions. Yeah, well,
1: well I, I, when I arrived, I was always told um, about Lindemann, how he's this, this great player. But I must have missed the great player because he, he was all right, but I
0: didn't think he was anything special. I think he he gets points for having been around a long time and longevity and consistency, but he's certainly not the most yeah. talented player in the world. No, um, I think I
1: saw two or three games of him, and it was just like, ah, uh, yeah, it's all right. But
0: did you ever see Romain Romain Gassmy, French guy? Yes, fat guy, centre midfielder. Oh could hit the ball like an absolute rocket. I liked him. I, I thought he well, was all right. I, I remember <laughs> I remember. us playing... Was he at Bangkok Bangkok United? We played against Bangkok them United. in a friendly, I think. He, he,
1: played, he, he went from Bangkok FC
0: to Bangkok United, I think, or the other way around. Okay. And then he went to Chiang Mai. Yeah.
1: And then he ended up at Bangkok Glass, where
0: they barely played him. Mm. I remember us playing against him, and when I first saw him, I thought, this guy is absolutely shit. Like, he's, he's fat, he can barely move. And then he got the ball, like, 30 yards out and just launched it, like, through our goalkeeper's face. <laughs> like, almost, bro- almost <laughs> broke the net in half. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. Well, in 2017, he, did, he, he got released by Benkoff Glass,
1: and then he spent six months just doing nothing. And then Kongkan were in T three at the time, and they they have a relationship with Bangkok Glass, and they wanted to shore up promotion. So mid season they cut one of their players and signed Gazmi for T three. <laughs> and, and and they and they already had Darko Tzetsevski as well. Yeah, I remember him.
2: So so Bangkok Glass was paying. Tusevsky and Gazmi to play T3 so that Game would get
0: promoted wow <laughs> so they've Bangkok um, Bangkok Glass have done well with European players I mean well they didn't do so well with, with Mario but they had Mario um, they've had Tusevsky who was good they've had um, uh, Gazmi as well they've had um, the, who's their midfielder now, Totty? Yeah, so Totti. They've done quite a lot of business with European players.
2: Totty's
1: all right, but I wouldn't put him. I wouldn't have him in the top fourteen. No, no. I wouldn't have him in the top. I wouldn't have him in the top sixteen in all likelihood. But I know he's going to do a job. But I just don't think. I think he can get better. But the case of cases, who who's
0: better, who is available? Yeah. You know what you're going to get from him. And they've, they've got plenty of other options in midfield as well. Yeah. So, you are, of course, a Port fan. How did you come to uh, to start supporting Port? Well, I, I finished playing
1: football at 23. And from there, I got my coaching licence and, and went from there. But around the time that I supported, started to support Port, I, I didn't really enjoy football anymore. I'd pretty much fallen out of love of, love with the game in the sense of... Like, you, you know me where... When I wake up to when I go to sleep, it's all football, football, football. Yeah. And so...
0: i fo- Football's a huge part of it.
1: <laughs> and so I, I, I was pretty much completely out of love with the game. And um, I'd still talk about it with my friends and, and that kind of thing. But when I went to games... I'd just be there, and he'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to play on my phone. I'm not enjoying this." And then um, I came to Thailand for my 25th birthday with my mate, and he he just said to me, "Let's let's go to a Port game. Um, they've got the best fans in the country."
2: Um, when I played at Pat Stadium, it was it was a
1: fierce atmosphere, and so he took me to Pat, and then from there we we sat in Zone
2: A. So I missed about half the game. I, I couldn't <laughs> see it. Yeah, but in terms of
1: the game in itself, the the atmosphere kind of rewoke that desire inside of me, where I kind of went, "Hang on, we're onto something here." And so, from there, I went to I went to a game at Phamisai to watch Bangkok United Tong
0: and I couldn't. I saw even less of the game. well you you saw more of it from a very very great distance (laughs) yeah yeah i I forgot my binoculars that day
1: (laughs) and then um i went to a game at bbcu i can't remember who they played but when i was there it was just like nah this isn't as good as port i want to go to a port game again and um we went to the cup a cup game against beck terror Mm -hmm. and then in that game, it kind of went, all right, I'm a Port fan now. Like, everything just fell into place where I was invested in the game. I didn't want to touch my phone. I just wanted to watch the play and, and enjoy it. And from from then on, you know, that's that's where I am with football now. I enjoy watching Port games uh, more than I enjoy watching other football games.
0: So what what year was that? When was the first year you, you watched Port? 20, 2016. 2016. Okay, so you've seen us kind of rise up through through T1 to now being challenging at the top.
1: Yeah, I've, I've I've seen us where it was all right. We've got to get promoted. Then the next season it was all right. The focus is solely on surviving, and now we're a team going all right. We've got to we've got to finish in the top three. Like yeah. the expect the clubs the clubs grown where. Our expectations are just... If you, if you told me in 2016, in a few years' time, you are going to be expecting this team to finish in the top three, I would have told you crazy. But that's that's where we are now.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So what are your expectations for this season? I'd like to say top two, but I'd, I'd be OK with top three. Mm. Um, I, think,
1: I think we do need to make some changes, but... That's really hard to make those decisions when players aren't playing games at the moment, so you can't judge them on performances. So you've got to
0: judge them on past performances, which means they'll stay. Yeah, and even this first month, like with we have won a few games, but I think there are a lot of a lot of indicators that we aren't doing as well as maybe other people think we're doing.
1: I'll put it way, if we keep getting as many penalties as we're getting at the moment, we'll win the
0: league. <laughs> What's but our... if those
1: penalties? If those penalties stop, we are in a lot of
0: trouble. Yeah, the our VAR record is amazing. We've basically got every decision from VAR. Yeah, so I th- we, we need a striker. There's there's no other way to put it. Need a striker. Stop playing people there that aren't strikers and just get one. The age old rant about port <laughs> has to be done in every podcast, basically every yeah. conversation that we oh. have, you know, it's oh.
2: all off season it's
1: we're gonna get Dumboya, we're gonna get Dumboya, that's all the rooms going around as well. And then it's like surprise, you Heberti. he's on loan It's <laughs> like, Oh, he's not a nine
0: No so. Apparently, conversations were had about Dumbuya, but um, but yeah, no agreement was reached. And I guess it was the big money in China that yeah. that made us unable to uh, compete even on that front. I mean, when you look at how much we ended up paying, or at least what it's reported that we're paying to uh, to Hebeti. I mean, yeah. the the idea that Dumbuya wouldn't accept that is mad, but. Yeah, yeah, but then the money's from yeah, China. So. It,
1: well, even even a few few years back, like before, we, we had Badram, who we didn't register and we loaned out because we, we thought he was a striker and he was an attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. And then we also had um we signed a zombie, and then for one reason or another, he, he never came to the club, and he ended up back in Europe.
0: Yeah, that was a very strange been, situation. He he
1: would have been a great get for us because he was unstoppable at Ratchaburi. He
0: was exactly but, the kind of number and, nine we were talking about, yeah.
1: But knowing us, we would have signed him and played him at left-back.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he, he would have been fantastic for us. Well, what happened there and was no. that was the season we ended up getting Boscovich, right? Yeah. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <sighs> I still liked Boskovic. Like, there's, there's going to be people, including you, that aren't his
0: fan, but I, I liked him. Yeah, he does divide opinion. There, there are still some who, who think that we, we should have played. Obviously, we should have played him differently. Obviously, we could have dealt with um, putting him in the team better. But I still think a certain amount of responsibility has to go to him and that he should have adapted better i mean yeah whatever We're, we've had this we've had this conversation the, so many times the, the, the thing the thing that i find
1: craziest is we got rid of him because he wanted to play out wide more than he wanted to play up top and then we signed blackburn who we ended up playing out wide and not up top <laughs>
2: So, so wouldn't you have just kept Boskovic as a, a better player
1: and said, "Look, all right, you can play out wide."
0: <laughs> <laughs> have to admit, I don't, I don't remember us seeing uh, playing Blackburn out wide. But Josimar playing on the wing—that <laughs> was a first. Black, Blackburn played on the left a lot. Oh God, that guy had no <laughs> use outside wasn't... the six-yard box, let alone on the left wing. <laughs> he he can He'd come off the bench to play left wing. And
1: take a striker off. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was the madness behind
0: it. <laughs> so yeah, let's have, let's have a few a few quick fire questions about Port. Who do you think is Port's best player? La. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it's go. It's, okay.
2: It, he, he makes it. He makes everyone around him better.
0: And then it'd probably be closely Sergio yeah both, both popular answers for that question and uh, who's your favourite player oh I've got a heap like it's it's more like who isn't my favourite player but
2: C- Siwakorn's number one he will always be number one um then you got Arthur who's just there because like, he's got that cult following and he's so damn likeable yeah and then put Niddy in there too. And then you've got Go and making it
0: five. And then if you want to include forgotten players, then you've got Josua and too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all who are criminal. all still technically on the books. Obviously, I mean, it is it is mad how we, how we go about building our squad. Because, I mean, we've got Artit, who obviously you and I really like and think he could do a job for us off the bench in the, yeah. at the moment. A number
1: nine. Wow, what it would be like to have a number nine. <laughs> and he's doing so well for police
0: at the moment too. Yeah, he's doing brilliantly. He started every game. He scored a screamer in his, in his last game. <sighs> and and then be? you got,
1: get, getting onto that list, you've got Yosua and Wachira,
0: who would be first choice at, a lot of other clubs in T1 and Yosawat's playing and they, T4 for our B team <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and they're not even making the match those squads like
0: that's just insane yeah yeah Yosawat's not even so, being considered so he's he's just going to play T4 this year Watshara if it if the season drags on and he and he hasn't played at all again they'll they'll put him into the T4 teams I think they want to play the young guys for now but if it gets to the point in the season where they need to get a few points, I think they'll put put Wachara in there. So well, he, he should undoubtedly be first choice.
1: It'd go Wachara, Ratanai, and then Warikul.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Ratanai has been having a bit of a tough time the last few games.
1: Yeah, well, it'd help if he stopped playing volleyball when he was trying to catch the ball. In, in, I'd, I'd rather someone that plays volleyball than someone that just blindly tries to
0: punch the ball every time. <laughs> yeah. OK, so that's a pretty healthy list of her uh, favourite players. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so where do you think, if this season does actually end up getting getting finished, where do you think Port will end up? Top two, probably. Um, First or second. I think personally, <laughs> I personally think that it, it'll be between us or Bangkok United. Oh, okay. Um, Controversial.
1: Unless, 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 um, Buriram make changes to their squad, I think they're going to have an absolute nightmare this season. And um
2: Chiang Rai, I think, are a bit stretched thin mm-hmm, because yeah. of the AC. Asian Champions League, which yeah. fortunately we messed up so badly that it never got to that situation where <laughs> we were ever in danger of
1: losing all our all our energy. No. So so and, and with that, what happened in the Champions League, I think the the players and the coaching staff need to take responsibility where they go, We hashed this up so badly where we need to make it up to the fans and do
0: well. Yeah, yeah. That that was...
1: was, (laughs) I I nearly smashed my TV watching that.
0: I couldn't believe what was happening. (laughs) Honestly, like, I was so frustrated.
1: Yeah, it was like, come on, guys, this isn't the Leo Cup anymore. Like, this is (laughs) is to play in the premier continental competition in Asia. And a lot of them looked like they
2: just couldn't be bothered.
0: yeah. I I was the one who was kind of saying beforehand that I thought Serres had a really good chance to beat us. Like I thought, you know, with some of their individual players, they, they do have a chance at creating an upset. But we're also big favourites. And I, oh, I just couldn't believe it, the way we... We basically never tried in that game. Like, there was only... I, ch- I was trying to think of who actually played well, and it was no one. <laughs> it was actually no one
1: sit off the bench, maybe.
0: Exactly. Yeah, um,
1: at, least, at least he tried to do something. But on paper, that that Sarah's team is nowhere near good enough to to play in the Thai League. No. Like if if if, if you put them in the Thai League, they would be they'd be lower to lower table, probably st- staving off relegation. Like,
2: mm. Yeah.
1: They've got a couple of good players. But on a whole, I wouldn't like Mendy really entirely.
0: Yeah, Mendy's not right. good enough. The other, the other forward probably so, is uh, Mar- Marignon, whatever his name is.
1: Yeah, he's good. He's really, really good. But um, yeah, they've got a couple of good players, and, and as but as a squad, they work well together, and that's what our downfall was. They they were willing to work hard for each other, whereas a lot of us were just
2: kind through the
0: motions yeah and they've got they've got that more slightly more of a European mentality with players like and in in key positions where they've got Schrock in the centre they've got Muller in goal and I think that that helps in that in that kind of dogfight scenario that they were in in that game Schrock was was so at home in the middle of the park he
1: was unstoppable that game he just lit it up
0: so first or second Port 2020, well, or 21. <laughs> but we we need those
1: penalties to keep coming for that to come to fruition.
0: Yeah, hate hate so to think how that's going to be. A, <laughs> how the referee's favour is going to be secured. Yeah, may, may, maybe we can drop a foreigner in the in the next window and just sign VAR. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think we may maybe we already have. We just haven't told anyone yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, um, thanks very much, James, for this uh, lockdown podcast. We uh, yeah, co- covered thanks a very wide me. range of topics, so uh, great to chat and um, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll be able to do another one or two of these during this, during this boring time now that I've figured out how to use my technology to get, to get people on the phone and recording. So, yeah. cheers. See you for the next one. Yeah, talk soon.